0: When the replay official did not stop I, the game
1: i'm not gonna comment on that i'll get fined for the rest of my life if i get
2: commented on that
3: we had a great belief in our locker room we didn't have to do anything special just be us i was so proud of this team we had so much fun it ought to be illegal
4: any idiot can say whatever they want and they usually do and they're negative negative. and all i see to me i've gotten to a point now when i see things like that i feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry,
2: to win the SEC East.
5: Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan
6: base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point?
7: Um, A lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. (laughs) I didn't think of it. It was like like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down.
8: I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything in South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months.
9: Welcome in. To the latest episode of that SEC podcast, I'm your host Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee Homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh man, we're rocking
5: and rolling from Hoover, day two <laughs> of
9: SEC Media Days, and. Wouldn't you
5: know it, Lane Kiffin came to save the day. He really delivered here, didn't he? Absolutely. You know, I I mean, I'm not saying day one was a little slow, but it was a little slow. And we knew Kiffin was going to fire things up. Yeah, and he did that without a
9: doubt. Uh, Man, I don't even know where to begin with Lane Kiffin. But, uh, you know, maybe even before we get into Old Miss Talk here, let's just jump to the very beginning his introductory moment here. Greg Sankey, of course, introduced Lane Kiffin. Right out the gate, he said, my son's got to pay for his own damn college because the, all these fines you keep giving me.
7: Hey, guys. Good to be here. Um, commissioner actually reminded me uh, when he saw Knox and went up and said hi to Knox. Um, you know that Knox needs to earn his scholarship because uh the commissioner's fine last year. I think I... I tweeted that um, Noxus Noxus uh, College Fund is gone thanks to the the fine there. So um, it's good to see Commissioner.
9: All right, Jade. So I mean, <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I was like, my goodness, he came to to shine here, and he certainly did that. But uh, you know, so much energy here with the Ole Miss Rebels. And For,
5: real quick, man, I I've been in Kiffin's shoes. You see the joke, you think about the joke. He overthought the joke, and then he just – it didn't hit like he wanted it to. I think if, <laughs> if Kiffin could go back, I, I think he had all the tangible pieces to make that hilarious, but they were just <laughs> flowing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I think it's hilarious the, the fact that Sankey's there and he has to answer for the fact that his son's not going to have <laughs> college education, even though we both – not the case here.
9: Yeah, without a doubt. And then uh, it didn't slow down from there either because he was asked about, uh, you know, the last time he was at media days and having to bring his ballot to prove he voted for Tim Tebow. (laughs) I thought this was great as well.
3: Uh, Lane, another quarterback question for you. At at this event 12 years ago, you brought your All-SEC ballot to prove you voted for Tim Tebow uh, as preseason All-SEC quarterback. I was curious, who would be your pick this year uh, for preseason All-SEC quarterback?
7: All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago. But now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow first team All-SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so <laughs> what was the second part of the question? You got me all <laughs> off. Uh, now we're, gonna, we're back to Urban Meyer and Tebow and. And singing Rocky Top in the Swamp all night long, that part. Okay.
9: All right, Shade. So, hey, you know those days well because he was singing about, uh, you know, singing the, the fight song down there in, in Gainesville just to piss off old Urban Meyer. And and now we get a, a more laid-back, mature
5: Lane Kiffin. But he's still got his silver tongue, doesn't he? <laughs> Absolutely, man, and I—I I got a little sick in my stomach when you talk about Urban Meyer. It's like, man, we, you know, we're how how many more years do we got to go before we stop talking about this guy? But I—I uh, <laughs> I love it. This—this this is what we came here for. This is what we're—I mean, this is what we we knew kiffin floating around in the sec there's going to be all kinds of rumors coming out buddy there's been some rumors this offseason but uh i I, you knew in media days he was going to bring the thunder
9: you get a real sense obviously you got matt corral down here you got jalen jones a defensive back who you know he's sounding like the defense thinks they're going to take a step uh, into the right direction everybody's pumping up matt corral as the sec's best quarterback Uh, well people outside of athens of course but You know, you get a real sense of uh, just the enthusiasm that uh, Mm -hmm. Ole Miss captured last season, carried that over to recruiting, and now they're heading into uh, the 2021 season. And, hell, I remember this time last year, I didn't think Ole Miss win a football game the way they were talking. You know, I mean, they were one of the teams that was getting devastated by COVID, and they were talking about they had to move receivers to defensive back. And I was like, how in the world is this going to happen? And then here they turn out to be one of the most exciting and entertaining teams. And had they not shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, I mean, we're looking at a potential, a seven win team in a 10 game sec slate. I I say all that to say this Shane, I mean, are we maybe
5: underrating the rebels? Cause Uh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Mike, this is a team you don't want to play. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you look at the talent, from top to bottom, you, I mean, if you're just going off pure statistics of uh, 20, you know, 24 seven or something like that, you're mm-hmm. like, man, we got these guys. Look at they—they they, all their four stars, three star. We can, we can handle these guys. But when you put them on a field and what lane is able to do with these guys and get them in, in, in position and get them in space uh, you got Matt slinging the rock. I mean, this was a dangerous team last year. Just imagine now that they've had a full off season what this, what these guys are going to look like going into 2021?
9: Yeah, and they're bringing back damn near everybody on uh, the offensive yeah. side of the ball, outside of uh, the great Elijah Moore and uh, Royce Newman, Newman the, the lineman. But beyond that, they're bringing everyone back. And then look at this: the way the schedule lines up, Shane. They open against Louisville in Atlanta, should be an easy win. And then you got Austin P and Tulane. Mm-hmm. I mean, two yeah. cupcakes, and things get much tougher because it's at Alabama the following week, but they get two weeks to prepare for that Alabama game. So I can only imagine what Lane Kiffin and company are going to cook up for that game. But (laughs) I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about it, man. We, we gotta be real, real careful. You know, I keep saying it's Alabama LSU and Texas A&M, and then there's a big step, but Ole Miss can prove us, prove me wrong. First month of the season, if they pull off a stunner and, and beat
5: Alabama, you know what? Yeah and I, and I've been on record talking about how what I expect from Alabama what I expect from Texas A&M it would not surprise me if one of these big teams like like I was talking about the A&M like the Alabama if I'm not, I'm not saying that Ole Miss is going to be the one that brings them down, but a loss to a team like Ole Miss could keep them out of the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think they're fully capable of throwing. I don't know if it's Alabama this year. You know, I think it almost felt like Lane had his chance last year. And, and you know, you, you fooled me once, says uh, Saban, you know, shame on me. But, <laughs> you know, you watch – you look at teams like A&M – LSU, you know, teams that are going to be obviously favorites coming into that game. You know, when you get out there, anything can happen when you got a a quarterback like Matt Corral and an offensive coordinator like Lane Kiffin. Mm -hmm.
9: Well, you know, and then one of the biggest stories from SEC Media Days here on Tuesday, Shane, did not even involve a player or a team that was at the event. Alabama, Bryce Young, the quarterback, they're going to, you know, Alabama will be at uh, SEC Media Days on Wednesday, but. Word came out Nick Saban released this himself talking about uh, the fact that Bryce Young has, I don't know if you saw the news, Shay, but you know he's racked up apparently a, damn near a million dollars in en- endorsements, and he's not even started a game yet for the Crimson Tide. And uh, just the most wild reaction, late Gifford was asked about it. He had no idea. And then after he was asked about it, we've kind of clipped these together. He was on the Paul Feinbaum show and talked about uh, – you know, how this game is changing right before our eyes.
7: Today Nick Saban said that his quarterback has earned almost a million dollars so far in NIL deals. Just Jeez. how have you seen that play out uh, with recruiting and the potential for other schools, brands, to uh, earn players some money? Thank you. That number just blew me away. So you didn't prepare me for that. Um, that's amazing. You made a million dollars and hadn't started a game yet? Um, I mean, I don't even know what to respond to that, but great for him. Um, It is neat that players can make money now and profit, you know, off of their hard work and what basically everybody else in America gets to do. So, you know, I'm excited about it. I think it's very challenging trying to figure out how these things happen and what's legal and what's not and all that. So I was asked earlier about it, I said, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. I wouldn't want to be compliance departments, but a million dollars. Quarterbacks, um, and that, that would be an understatement. But does that offer where, – where is the biggest challenge? Uh, to the coaching staff or in the locker room? Or, or is there one? Well, I think when you were just saying it to me and I said to you, you know, Coach Saban, and, you know, I just the first thing I thought about it, well, rat poison and how much he tries to control, you know, uh, what's being set outside to build players up, you know, to, to control them, uh, control their egos. Now you got guys, and that's why it blew me away. We're not talking about a year later and he's made a million dollars over a year. We're saying, you know, they're saying he's already making a million dollars, which is crazy. What's going to happen once you start playing? Uh, you know, and then the ability to control the players uh, and that challenge is, you, know, you know, you're going to, I guess eventually have players making more than coaches, but it happens in professional sports, so it does. we are now, as you've kind of said, professional sports now,
9: all right, Jade, so hey late joke in there, but uh, you know Bryce young, maybe he
5: sits out the season, he's already a millionaire, but the least he took a snap, said Giffen, you know what I'm saying I mean this is we we knew this was gonna happen, Mike, but you know this. It's changing the landscape of football. You know, here, one year removed from giving Tennessee such a hard damn time over a McDonald's bag full of cash, now the the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama has a million dollars in his bank account and hasn't thrown one damn football in the SEC. I mean, that just that blows my mind, and, and I'm telling you, we're not prepared for this. We're not ready for this, but it's here, Mike. It is literally changing the landscape of football.
9: Now, what happens... You know, let's look at this outside the lens of Alabama, but what if he comes out Bryce Young that is and really struggles? You know, he's got all these expectations now. Now he's got all this money. You know, where's his focus? I'm not I I don't know the guy. I have no idea. He may be the most focused guy in the world, but mm-hmm. it just seems like it's kind of I cannot imagine being that young and having that much money and you know, is this a potential you know, maybe it does something in the locker room. I mean, there's so many different ways you could go with this, but could this be the thing that maybe derails Alabama's season before it even gets going and and gives
5: hope to a, maybe a team like an Ole Miss? Well, it clearly can happen, Mike. I mean, you, you look at so many college athletes that that came out. Johnny Manziel, for mm-hmm. example, you know, came out making a fortune in college and, uh, you know, king of the world and just didn't make it in the NFL. Now, that's, that's an extreme example. But, yeah, you've got 17-year-olds that are potentially going to have a million dollars before they hit the campus you don't think that's going to affect how how they play football i mean could you imagine if i had a million dollars at 17 i i, pro- I may lose focus on preparing and playing college football. You know what I'm saying? I'm too busy car shopping and, and working my Instagram, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know, man. It, it, it's crazy. And, and, you know, the thing that, that I'm worried most about isn't the recruiting side. It's this, uh, it's this, uh, and they're going to talk about when they go with Tennessee, but this portal, mm-hmm. you know, I, in essence, I think, this thing's going to turn wide open into a free agency market. And it's who's going to pay me the most. Yeah.
9: And final thing on Lane Kiffin, I had to play this for no one else, for you, Shane, because we know you were one of the, the many Vol nation there tweeting Lane Kiffin, please come home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was before Josh Heupel got hired, but uh, he was asked about it. Of course, uh, Ole Miss travels to Tennessee this season, October 16th. So uh, asked about Tennessee and Lane Kiffin still still shows the fall's love.
1: Touched on it. You kind of led the way at Alabama with the offense revolution across the league. And I think last year the, the best scoring defense was 19 points a game. In your estimation, I know defense is a big focal point for you guys this year. What? How do you define what is good defense?
7: I, I've changed on that after last season. I mean, if we're under 40, I'm excited. So <laughs> I might be the wrong person to ask on that subject. Uh, we struggled, obviously, last year. And like, I've, like I said earlier in this, it's a product of us not playing well, product of an all-SEC conference schedule and a year of great offensive players. So, you know, I, now in defense of, of our defense moving forward also, you know, when you play like we do on offense, that's not ideal for the numbers to be low over there because we're just playing to win. I don't care what the score is. But the way that we play offensively, we put our defense in tough spots at times. Because if you're going to play, if you're going to play this way, you know, you're going to have some times where you go three and out, and they're right back on the field because we're not huddling, we're not going slow. So we don't do that because of stats. We don't do that, you know, except for we think that's the best way to win. You know, I know everybody will point to, well, Alabama went slow on offense. Well, you got four first-rounders or whatever it was, you know, that did, you can go slow. Um, I think that going fast gives you advantages.
1: Can you speak a little bit to your relationship with uh, Tennessee fans on with Ball Twitter, and then also just kind of the welcome you expect back at Neyland Stadium?
7: So that will be exciting to go back there. Uh, I've been back there as an assistant coach. I, I don't know. I can't predict it. I feel like it will not be welcoming, but a little bit better than it was last time as an assistant coach. It was definitely not welcoming. <laughs> Um, so it's a passionate fan base. Um, I loved our year there and, um, you know, so it'll be excited to go back in there. That is a special place, special university, special stadium, special tradition. And like I talked about when you're in championship runs, you appreciate it more later on. I think the same thing there, you know, is, um, you know, you look back to what a special place that is.
9: All right, Shane, I I played that one, like I said, just for you, but uh, we got plenty of Tennessee listeners here. But, you know, it's pretty odd how the relationship between Lane Kiffin and Tennessee, you know, at one point the most hated
5: man on Rocky Top, and now he's kind of beloved there, isn't he? Uh, Definitely, Mike. I mean, think about it. I would have been burning couches if I were in Knoxville when he left, you know, (laughs) as Monty's hiding behind a desk. I'm looking for his old ass, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I go from that to tweeting him constantly last year begging him to come to Knoxville because look what he did. Look what he did with the Old Miss Rebels in one season. I mean, they went from the bottom to the top, and they don't even have a loaded roster yet. They've got talent, but it's not anywhere that it's going to be, you know, two, three years from now. I mean, just imagine what Kiffin's going to be able to do down there. That's why I wanted him. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, it hurts to hear these comments. It's like seeing uh, – what's his name uh, – Oh, sunshine there in Clemson. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That the draft wearing all that Tennessee gear, you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, you're going to hear these comments, you're going to see stuff. Well, I'm sure toe-toe is going to come up and smoke a cigar in the locker room. You know, there's going to be stuff like that. You just hate to see uh, your players, your coaches, anything like that. Be successful at another program. But that's that's where we're at, and that's the relationship that Kiffin has with us.
9: Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, jump down to the players, Shane, because we had Matt Corral, star of uh, the, the Ole Miss Rebels, Jalen Jones, defensive back. You know, I really wanted to play these Corral comments because he was at SEC Media Days last time we had it two years ago. Got to interview him down there, and he was a young redshirt freshman. And, you know, he just didn't have the, the confidence and the poise that he does now. Now he's mixing that talent with uber confidence. And I, I think it really shows with these comments here.
10: Seems like this offseason, there's a whole different kind of buzz surrounding the offense and Ole Miss in general. Is that something you guys feel in the locker room, you feel around the offense or around the team? I mean, not only in
1: myself, but I just feel like uh, the people around me have more confidence in themselves that you know, they didn't have last year. Uh, you know, last year it was more of us not knowing what we have and us just going in there and trying our best to, all right, now we know what we have and now we have a standard and this is what's got to get done. Matt, of course,
11: you won the highly talented quarterbacks coming back in the SEC uh, for good reasons at that, that. My question is, what expectations do you have on yourself this season that you know you definitely want to accomplish for sure?
1: Um, winning. Uh, you know, I'm not really focused on myself. I'm focused on worrying about the team. Uh, you know, as long as, I get, as long as I take care of what the, te- the team's needs, you know, my wants, everybody else's wants, not only mine, but everybody else's are going to fall into place.
10: There's a lot of talk about how Coach Kiffin is one of the best, if not the best playmaker or play callers in the entire country. You're somebody who played at Ole Miss before him and now with him. In your own words, just what has he done to that offense? How, how has it changed? How dynamic has he personally made it?
1: He knows how to spread the ball around, and he knows how to utilize the matchups around him. Uh, like last year, specifically against South Carolina, you know, J.C. Horner, great corner, you know, drafted first round, I believe. Um, and he just had a way of putting Elijah in the, in the backfield, getting him on a linebacker, just creating a mismatch somehow, some way, and utilizing it.
8: How much confidence did winning four of your last five games give this team as you now move forward?
2: I think it gave a lot of confidence. Each game um, towards the end of the year, you can see the team started to get better, um, especially the last two games, winning the Egg Bowl and then uh, winning the bowl game. Uh, it definitely gave the defense, for sure, uh, a lot of confidence. And like I said, going into the spring, uh, we didn't have a spring last uh, last year. so. This spring has given guys more opportunities to learn the scheme. This is our second year under it. And um, just giving a lot of guys that didn't get much playing time uh, a lot more reps, more experience.
11: Anthony Patterson with the Atlanta Voice newspaper. Of course, they always say practice is what makes perfect. And practicing a guy against a guy like Coral definitely can have his challenges, but also his benefits. What is it? How does he make your defense better in practice that ultimately helps you guys get better on the field?
2: Um, just his play by itself. He's one of the hardest working players on the team. Um, in my eyes, in the whole team's eye, he's the best quarterback in the nation. So when you're going against a guy like that, that kind of knows what defense you're in and is seeing things before the, the play even uh, is snapped, um, he can only get us better. It's an iron sharpens iron type of deal. All
9: right, Shane. So, you know, when you're uber talented, like I said, you got the confidence and not only the confidence in yourself and the team, but he's got confidence in Lane Kiffin. I love the fact that he brings up, you know, they played against J.C. Horn, who I I think was the first corner taken in the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. And Kiffin is just so damn good at uh, game planning and and calling plays that they just, you know, found ways to avoid J.C. Horn. And uh, you know that's kind of the brilliance of their coach, and and it's good to see that their quarterback appreciates it because, like, as you know, go back to Corral's freshman year, he was not very effective, and then one year under Lane Kiffin, he's the hottest thing under the sun. And if he just gets better, I think uh, we're going to be hearing his name called when the NFL draft comes around, don't you think?
5: Oh, for sure, man. And and I don't want to bring up a sore subject, Mike, but I know you came out with the quarterback list here. Couple couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, where exactly did you have Matt on your list? Numero uno, brother. I think he's okay. the best in the SEC. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, he's close. I, I still think JT's got him, but mm-hmm. you know, I was just curious if you had him up there because I, I was a doubter. Coming into last season, you remember I was trying to get Plumtree involved, and uh, it was clear that uh, Lane Kiffin knew exactly what he had to work with, and and made Matt better. It felt like every week, and and I, I just expect big numbers from him this year.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Well, next team on the docket, Shane. Let's kick it down. Well, of course, we're staying in Hoover. I keep doing that, but we're going with Georgia Bulldogs. And it was, uh, you know, aside from Kirby talking about he's texting with rappers out here. He revealed that that was a big story here at SEC Media Days. But beyond that, I mean, it was a business approach for the Bulldogs. And, you know, I think you got to like that, considering that they're opening the season against Clemson in what looks to be the game of the year at least in the regular season, in Charlotte. But, you know, they downplaying all the expectations, the downplaying the hype of that game. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what was your reaction to just seeing these guys who it just didn't seem like they give a damn about, uh, you know, this huge, epic game that
5: uh, is coming here in about 45 days? Because it's not, Mike. I mean, Clemson, this isn't Clemson from last year or Clemson from two years ago. This is a, this is a, this is is going to be a blowout, Mike. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what the spread is on this game, but it's not going to be a game. It kind of reminds me of that USC-Alabama thing from a few years ago. Remember Mm -hmm. when they're coming out all pumped up, and (laughs) next thing you know it's like 41-7. to (laughs) I'm I'm not saying that it's going to be a 40-point victory, but this is not a ball game. There's a reason the Bulldogs do not care about Clemson because they know it's not going to be a problem. They're more worried about the SEC.
9: Mm -hmm. And one other uh, important note here from Kirby, he announced that uh, Eric Gilbert, the transfer, of course, from LSU, he's expected to be eligible. I know there was some concern that uh, maybe he didn't have his academics in line when he left LSU early, but uh, Mm -hmm. it sounds like he's getting that in order. So that's just yet another weapon for the Bulldogs and JT Daniels on that side of the ball. Uh, So let's kick it over to Kirby, who talked about uh, not – winning the east last year that kind of is motivating his program and then uh you know a a big talking point all off season everybody wants to talk about the receivers which i think they got plenty of but uh, the the real issue with georgia's roster was lack of depth and experience at the uh, defensive backfield and of course they addressed that in the transfer portal so that's something that uh, kirby smart addressed
8: coach um you know last year was you know probably the first time that most of the players on that roster had not played for an SEC title with with the amount of success that they've just become accustomed to was that enough motivation to get right back at a, you know playing for another title this year yeah i think that plays a factor i, I certainly
4: don't think it's the the most important factor we, we... We motivate through intrinsic factors. And just the fact that we didn't win the East and didn't get an opportunity to play for it, that sticks with all of us. And uh, we know we've got enough talent to get that done. And um, any opportunity you get to go compete, it doesn't matter who it's against, where it is, or when it is, you want to be at your best. And our guys are driven to do that. So I know that getting back to the SEC championship is one of the steps that uh, you get to—you got to you gotta step to, to to be able to make the playoffs.
5: With Stokes and LeCount leaving for the NFL draft, that's a lot of talent, a lot of veteran leadership to to replace in in the backfield there for the defense. Who do you expect to step up for you?
4: Well, we're going to do it by committee. We're going to find that out in fall camp. You know, we've got uh, two young men that come to us by way of portal. Uh, Then we've got a a group of guys on our current roster that are talented and we're highly recruited players that we think are going to be able to help us. So when Tyson and Stokes took over, we had just lost players. And uh, when they leave, we're going to have to find new players. It's part of uh, the the offseason and part of the recruiting process to figure out who's going to help us in those areas. and we, We've got capable players in the secondary. We don't have the depth that we're used to. We will need to avoid injury uh, in that area.
8: Uh, you talk about JT. The focus for him has been more on the physical aspect and less on the mental, but what's been the most impressive thing to you about his football IQ as the leader now for your offense?
4: His ability to retain information. I think when you sit in a meeting and someone discusses something, especially with uh the generation of young men we're dealing with now, in terms of being on their phones, needing constant uh, change, and you know they can't watch a video for more than 30 seconds without moving on to the next thing. JT has unbelievable retention. He can stay in a meeting, he can take notes, he can get us questioned the next day or three days later, the situation reappears. He knows the answer from what he learned in the meeting. So when you have someone like that, now, you need physical tools. But when you have the mental tools to be able to do that, he's able to draw on those experience and learn in the meeting room, which is it's a big part of being a quarterback.
9: All right, Shane, so you know we've got a battle of heavyweights here in the East when Florida's coming in talking, you know, we're the champs, we deserve respect, we're going to win it again. And then here you got Georgia just kind of ticked off that they didn't win the East last season. And, uh, you know, I just cannot wait for this – game in jacksonville october 30th because it's looking to be just an epic showdown don't you think
5: yeah you want to talk about like everybody's trying to pump up clemson man this is the game that we're looking forward to seeing because it is gonna i fully expect them both i mean this is gonna decide the east yet again i i think it's no holds bar everything but the kitchen sink kind of game you know
9: Mm-hmm. And one other thing from Kirby, just wanted to throw this out there for Arkansas fans, but he really uh, praised Sam Pittman in Arkansas, which they have to play them once again back-to-back seasons. I know it's unusual, but because of the 10-game SEC slate, Georgia played Arkansas last year. This year they host Arkansas, and Kirby's looking for the Razorbacks to be one of the most improved teams in the SEC this year.
5: Yeah, I'm sure Sam's pretty pumped up about it as well.
7: <laughs> you faced sam Pittman in his major college coaching debut the season opener last year wonder what you thought coming out of that game in terms of their preparation you got him again this year what do you expect of his progress
4: you got a lot of respect for sam as a person a coach a man did a tremendous job against us uh last year they've got a, an unbelievable staff he's got a a really uh almost a, a, a perfect recipe between his defensive coordinator and his offensive coordinator, who he entrusts a lot in. They uh, they, they both are different, but they are both really do a good job of their respective jobs, have a lot of respect uh, for Barry. And uh, his years at Missouri, we got to be close. So he he, he plays a, a very difficult defensive scheme to attack. And uh, I think they've got a lot of players coming back. Somebody told me I think they have more seniors than anybody else in the conference, which... When you have a lot of seniors, you look at the track record. Those are the teams that are most successful. All right, so let's uh, kick it down to uh, the player
9: interview shade. Where again, you know, J.T. Daniels kind of downplays the significance of uh, the Clemson game. In another clip, he said, "Hell, we could win by a hundred. It means nothing for the SEC season. We could lose by hundred. It means same thing, nothing for the SEC season." So, uh, you know, I, I really like the, uh, the the business approach here from J.T. Daniels. And he talks about uh, all the weapons he's got to work with there at Georgia, while Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman, he is a Charlotte native, so he's a little bit more fired up for the Clemson game, but he's not making it all to be all that either And uh, on his decision to return to Georgia for one more season.
5: Coach Smart was just saying that you're a big-time film guy in the offseason. If you had a chance to break down Clemson's defense a little bit? And what does a game of that magnitude do – during fall camp to kind of get you guys focused and ready knowing that you're getting ready to face a top five team right out of the game?
12: Um, so you definitely do. You know, I've been looking at it. Um, I'll be looking at it specifically when that time comes. I follow a strict schedule um, for a lot of reasons. But um, in terms of that game being as big as it is like yeah it's a national TV game. It's a 7.30 kickoff. It's a, it's a big deal. But um, I think it's important for us to as good as Clemson is, to not look at them as any different from any other opponent. You know, It's at the end of the day, we're going there, we're playing football, that's what we do. Um, and there's a lot of really talented, really good football players. I think they have a great coaching staff. Uh, they have strong schemes on both sides of the ball. But uh, football is football, and we got to go out and play our game like we would against any other team that will play for the rest of the season after that.
6: Talk a little bit about your weapons that you have around you. You, you lose pickings, obviously. but through the portal you get Gilbert, and you also want to have your running game too because that helps you as well. Talk about balancing out your offense and using all the weapons that you have.
12: Yeah, um, the well, as an offense I think we have the the best problem you can have which is there's only one ball. Um, there's so many guys uh, that you just don't normally have on a roster where as an offense you have like pretty much every receiver. You have three deep at receiver that could all play and are both talented enough and mentally ready to where they could be in the game, and it's no different than your ones. You have a good two, three deep at line. You have like six running backs that you can go in and play. Um, You have four quarterbacks that I would all trust to play. You have so many guys that are football ready that, um, you know, it's it's something to be said about how the coaching staff develops and how the guys here work.
13: What do you think the potential of this offense is, and what do you think its biggest strength is going to be this fall?
12: Um, I'd say the biggest strength is the versatility you have, uh, and I'd say how well we can do simple when we're at our best. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about having a complex, you know, schematic approach, but uh, at our best, we do simple better than the people we're playing against, uh, and that's the plan. And in terms of versatility, like like I just was talking about, uh, there's just so many guys that you can put in so many places uh, that can execute. Um, I'd say that's your biggest strengths from your offense. As a Charlotte
5: guy, how fired up are you for game one back home against the top five team on national TV at night? Definitely
6: exciting. You know, it's a big buzz around the city. You know, I go home uh, for the past couple of weeks and, um, you know, it's really exciting, you know, the team is really excited, fired up, and it's even a more intense feeling when you're from Charlotte. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot on your shoulders. You have a lot to prove. You want to show the city what you can do. And, you know, the product, I'm a product of the city, so I rep it hard. So, you know, I just want to make sure I do my best out there.
5: We'll stick with that first game theme. When you have a game of that magnitude to start out, does that change the attention to detail and the focus in camp when you get there in August? Do, do you look at it any differently when you know you got to come out of the gate ready to go? Honestly,
6: no. Uh, we want to treat every game the same, you know. No game is bigger than others, you know, no matter if we play Clemson or UAB or Georgia Tech. You know, we want to treat it as the same. And, um, you know, the level of preparation is not going to change for anybody. So. Uh, just want to make sure that we prepared for any team. You know, nonetheless, that we play Clemson on the first game, which is really exciting. But um, you know, it's still like you know, it's just we want to go one and zero. So level of preparation is not going to drop off from any team.
11: Jordan, what was the biggest factor in coming back for this season?
6: Easy decision, like I tell everybody. But the biggest factor was uh, was just the team. You know, um, I didn't want to lead the team so soon. I felt like I had a lot more on the table, and um, you know, I told somebody earlier like I called Devontae Wyatt and I was like Devontae we doing this and he was like yeah we're gonna do it and I was like all right I'm gonna do it then and you know at that point like it was literally like this and I was like you know what I'm coming back.
9: All right Shane so I think you really get a sense for those that uh, maybe have not heard JT Daniels speak before just his confidence and his poise and you know there's one thing that uh, you know obviously he's a California guy so I don't know how many people followed his recruitment or know his backstory but this is a guy that was essentially a five star since his like sophomore year of high school. And he played at uh, an elite high school program there in California. Kind of like it's it's basically a pipeline for USC. And, and mm-hmm. that's where Matt Leonard and Matt Barkley and, and Mark Sanchez and all these guys and uh, Bryce Young, who's now at Alabama. They all went to this high school. It's a juggernaut program out there. And he never lost a damn game. He broke every record that ever was. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, while he's never been the starter for Georgia an entire season, and Georgia's got all these expectations, it's nothing new to this guy. And he just seems totally unfazed by it. And, you know, I'm not saying that's a a positive or a negative, but I guess you could kind of see it either way. But uh, I kind of see it as, you know, he's just so cool and and calm and collected. And I, I just got, I really got that, uh, from his comments here.
5: Yeah. I mean, nobody wants an excited quarterback, you know, you want somebody that's almost boring to talk to because, it's not too big for him. And, and I think that's what, you know, Georgia struggled coming into last year, but soon as they cut JT loose, it, it was a, you saw what this offense was capable of doing. And if they were playing like they were at the tail end of the season, like they were at the beginning of the season, who knows, they could have been in the playoffs. They could have even won in the national championship. Hell, I don't know. I mean, they had the talent. So that's what I want to hear from my quarterback. Just like, yeah, yeah whatever you know the problem is i only got one football and all these damn weapons around me yeah that's what i want to hear my quarterback saying
9: mm-hmm. and the other thing that he said that was kind of viral uh here on tuesday he was even pumping up alabama's quarterback bryce young
12: um but in terms of bryce uh he's, he's a stud he's a star player um when i had left modern day and they got bryce like i had known bryce since i was eighth grader he was a seventh grader um and I knew back then, like, he's a special player. Um, so I was honestly, like, when modern day got him, I was really excited. I told Max Preps that he would be the best, he would be the best quarterback in the country by the time he was a junior in high school, um, just because you know I'd seen him playing. I think he's a really good player. Uh, I expect a lot, of, a lot of success for Bryce.
5: Oh yeah, everybody likes that, right? <laughs> talking about talking, I mean, you know, what I'm saying? I said, I it's, this is the dumbest thing. That's this is the dumbest comment he said. I mean, who? Come on, man. I, I get it. You you want to you want to pump him up. Yeah, the guy make a million. I wonder how much Look, this is kind of left field, but I you know, we 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 know Bryce is already over a million dollars. Mm-hmm. This 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 name Im, image likeness thing is just public information. Like when a kid signs a contract as does the university know how much money they're making? I'm just curious if there's somebody keeping up with this. Cause I am curious which schools are paying more right now.
12: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, no, no. I mean,
9: that's, there's no telling and there's no accounting for it or, you know, there's no record of it. So Ooh. who knows? I mean, J, JT. Daniels could be a 10 time millionaire for all yeah. I know. You know I
5: mean? <laughs> I'm telling you <laughs> these boys are getting paid, man. <laughs> Jordan better be getting paid his big ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you just give him – if if, he's, if if JT's making more than Jordan, man, I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> Something may be wrong there. 6'6", 340. Do you know that he ran almost 19 miles per hour last year? Like, mm. they clocked him going at – Saquon Barkley's fastest run last year was around 21, you know? And, 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 and Barkley's not 330 pounds. <laughs> And six foot six. So I mean that that guy is at he is an absolute unit. So I'm sorry, I got got a little sidetracked, but I was watching these videos and and you forget just how big this guy is. Didn't have to come back, man. He'd mm-hmm. already be playing on Sundays, but he came back to prove something. That's what I love. That's why I'm saying the Georgia Bulldogs, this has got to be their year. I mean, you've got some serious playmakers that turned down Millions of dollars, not that Bryce million. Do- I'm talking multi-million dollars. They turned it down to make th- they to run it back, man, to get another opportunity to go to a national championship. These Bulldogs are going to be dangerous this year, Mike.
9: Well, I know a good way to reel you back in, Shane. Let's talk some Tennessee because <laughs> uh, the Vols were there at media days as well. Josh Heupel, first uh, time at SEC media days, and you know I thought uh, he did a lot better than I anticipated he would do. I've seen a quite a few of these uh, media obligations from him, and he's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a ho hum guy. And and you know, it seems like they love him behind the scenes, but uh, at times seems like he could care less about the media and, and talking to them and all that. But I thought he did a really good job here uh, at SEC Media Days, and you know, he's got the fan base kind of united about uh, just how uh, interesting and exciting the offense is going to be, don't you think?
5: I'm pumped up, Mike. I, I mean, I, I'm not expecting a lot of victories this year, but we're going to score a damn lot of points. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, and, and that's what we want. I mean, it's, this is an offensive-driven league and you know we've gone through some defensive guys and it sucks man it mm-hmm. i mean you, you you're going to hear some of these players come out here in a minute these are players man that that they could ball out last year didn't get the opportunity they're so pumped up that they're going to get the opportunity this season so yeah man uh you score points you can be in any ball game yeah and i don't know if you're familiar
9: with this stat shane but uh uh, where he was at there at UCF last year, they averaged 88 offensive snaps a game. That was the best, mm. number one in the nation. And uh, Tennessee last year, 68 snaps. So <laughs> 20 snaps, is that's a significant difference for a, for one football game. So that's just an inkling of uh, what's coming there to Rocky Top, the fireworks that are, are coming. And yeah. not only that, but, uh, you know, he was fired up talking about uh, just landing the Tennessee job. And he talked about the uh, the latest on the quarterback competition. It certainly seemed like the reaction I've seen Tennessee fans are are glad that this guy can speak more than uh, ten words a minute here, unlike the, <laughs> the last guy. And then uh, on the new age of football he's bringing to Tennessee, I thought this was really interesting.
8: As a national champion quarterback, how excited are you to come to a, a fan base and a program like Tennessee, who's had you know success at quarterback with with Peyton Manning and? what's your relationship with Peyton
0: Yeah great great tradition of great quarterback play Peyton Manning team Martin um, you come to Tennessee I came to Tennessee because you want to be a part of an iconic program uh, where the fan base is passionate, loves it, breathes it it's 365 days out of the year you know I said in my introductory press conference like, When it's recruiting season, they care about recruiting. They care about spring ball. And, I mean, they want to know what's going on in summer workouts. You want to be at a place where football matters 365 days out of the year. The passion uh, of our fan base is is unsurpassed anywhere. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it's our challenge as coaches and players to celebrate the great traditions there but put a new age approach on it and get us back to where we need to be.
10: Two-part question, but they're tied together. What's the quarterback situation like for you guys? And as a former quarterback, when you look around the conference, how high is the quarterback level throughout the SEC right now?
0: Uh, quarterback battle for us, we got four guys that are vying for it right now. Three of them were there during uh, the course of spring ball. I think it's really important that you give players an opportunity to grow from the last time that they stepped on the field in spring ball. Uh, you give them opportunity to understand your system better, uh, grow physically and fundamentally uh, throughout the course of the summer, and then you get into training camp. And guys are going to earn more reps. Guys are going to earn their way out of the race as well. But you got to give them that opportunity. I think it's imperative that your football team, offensively, defensively, staff, understand that when you pick a guy, he he's earned the right to be your guy. Uh, Inevitably for him, there's going to be great plays. There's going to be a couple bad plays too. He's got to respond the right way, but the guys around him got to believe in him too. And so you got to go through that process. And as a guy earns the right to be our guy, that's when we'll name a starter.
10: Keep mentioning new age philosophy. What is new age to you? How do you define it?
0: New age different in the way that we play offensive football. Different in the tempo that we play. Uh, different in the way that we approach every single day. How we lift, how we train. Um, you know, different in the way that we communicate and interact with our players. Different in the way that we celebrate our time away from the game together. And and to me, uh, I think that's really important. You got to give. It's about the player experience, right? And just having been a player, right? I've hoisted a national championship trophy. It's important. It was awesome. It's memorable, right? But that's not the only piece of it. That player experience is important. So giving them some of the ownership and things that matter, and that might be new, different uniform combinations, whatever it might be, letting them have a great experience.
8: Coach, in talking with your players, there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about the system you're bringing in and your offense. Um, you know, in here in year one, what uh, what's your focus on getting this program back on track, and you know, to build towards this kind of success you had at UCF?
0: Yeah, I think you can't get caught up in the the long term goal, right? Of you know, a certain amount of wins or a certain amount of productivity. You got to focus on what you can control and your controllable is today. It's one of the things we've been talking and stressing to our, our football team. Uh, you know, the tempo and the, the pace that we want to play with, right? We want that on offense, but we want that same aggressive mentality on the defensive side of it. And talking to our players, that's one of the things that uh, they struggled with uh, previously. And, and we want those guys to play with their hair on fire, cut it loose, let it rip on game day, not be afraid of making a mistake. And that's tried, That's what we've tried to implement uh, while creating a competitive environment inside of our building every day, but uh, one in which our players are, are feel free to, to go let it rip.
9: All right, Shane. So he's going to let it rip here. That's what he's trying to get his players to do. And, you know, I think after Jeremy Pruitt certainly did have some success, but mm-hmm. maybe it's just flashbacks of Garantano. But, you know, there was just always a hesitancy to to, you know, decision making and, and, yeah. and lack of just like like Pipel says simply here, letting it rip. And it, I think, uh, you know, that's what these young players want to do. They don't want to be bogged down by, you know, such a heavy playbook. They want to go out there and, and you know, high-flying offense and have fun. And if they can do that, I mean, that's that's the major accomplishment for Tennessee this year is just making football fun again, don't you
5: think? Yeah. It's kind of like those go-karts there in and Forge, you know, they, they put those things in there so you can't drive too fast. You know <laughs> it's like, I, I think that's, that's what Pruitt did last year. It felt like there was like this, I don't know, like this filter or this, this hold back. And, and, you know, Tennessee fans probably don't want to hear the name Garitano, but you got to think that bled over to the way he played because there was a lot of times he was afraid to rip it. He was trying to be a little too conservative and you know, you it just can't do that unless you've got a very talented defense to back you up, which Tennessee didn't. So I I, I think this is going to be a clearly a different style of offense, but I, I kind of like that, man. I mean, this you, you listen to Coach Hopple talking. he's recruiting. It's going to be a quarterback-friendly offense. We're going to throw the damn ball. You hear the players come out. We're going to catch a lot of passes, similar to Leach last year. You know, he's trying to make it a fun environment so that you can get some more recruits, which we've been struggling at here in the offseason. But I think Tennessee's going to have to show it on the field, be a fun-looking school so that you may want to say, hey, I want to play in that, you know? mm-hmm and you know
9: that's the sense i got from the players like uh, valuce jones jr and Alante taylor who were down here at media days and you know valuce he he could have left school he came back and now he's getting to play for josh heupel's wide open system he says he feels like he's a kid in the candy store and you know <laughs> let's not forget that uh you know towards the tail end of the season he really emerged as a number one receiver for tennessee mm-hmm. and it wasn't against any scrubs it was a you know, he was making plays against Florida and Texas A&M, two of the better teams in the SEC last year. And then Alonte Taylor, he may have had the the quote of the day here on just, you know, never considering leaving Tennessee, wanting to play for the home state team, and, and wanting to be a leader for this program. Uh, Tennessee fans are, are really going to love these comments.
8: Gulus, how uh, excited are you about playing in this offense with Josh Heupel coming in, who's had A lot of success as both the player and the coach.
6: Man, you know this is a dream come true. You know, growing up as a kid, everybody, you know, as a receiver, you dream about catching a lot of footballs, and I'm I'm so excited. I can't even, I can't believe it. You know, when they announced, um, uh, Coach Hypo is the coach, and you know, I did my research and stuff, and we're going to have a lot of fun, me and my receiving core and tight ends with this offense. Like, I know I feel like a kid in the candy store.
8: With the new head coach, you know Josh Heupel coming in, what have you noticed? Um, you know, from your standpoint, is different guarding these guys, and different about the offense. And you know, what do you expect it to to be
10: like in you know this season? Uh, I feel like the spring was a small taste of what our offense could do, but with that, you know, we'll have a conditioned good defense. We'll be able to go out there on Saturdays and be in shape, and we'll be able to go out there and kind of be yawning, I guess you could say, for the next team to snap the ball, but. Um, having an offense so powerful like Coach Hypel what he's bringing to our team is huge. Um, a lot of people try to say that we never had a good offense, and I always felt like we did. But this is just an additional thing to that. So practicing with that every week and being able to go into practice and just be like, okay, guys, like, how are we going to find a way to next snap mentality? And Coach Hypel's offense was like allowing us to get there. From your defensive eyes, how dangerous is this offense that Hypel is creating in Tennessee? Uh, I think you've all seen the numbers that they put up at other places uh, It's very dangerous um, But in the, the day we're learning from that so come Saturdays, you know We'll kind of be out there not really a walk in the park type thing But we'll be in shape, and we'll be ready for the next snap
11: Of course you talked about um, Reason not to get in the transfer portal or not test the NFL waters and come back to Tennessee um, What Ultimately, just played a part of you want to come back, and the coach Hoop will obviously be head coach, play a big part in that.
10: Yeah, so um, I'm the third in my family to come to college. Um, I told my parents that I'd make sure I got, got my degree. I tried to do that in three years, which it didn't happen. Um, so that was one of the big reasons, but also the University of Tennessee is home to me. I'm from the state of Tennessee, and I wanted to represent my state. So I didn't want to touch in a transfer portal or look anywhere else just because this is where I'm supposed to be. And being a leader on this team and being a leader at the university was huge to me. Um, And then Coach Hypo coming was just an additional, just a big plus to that and just knowing what he has and his background and what he could bring to this team. At the end of the day, I feel like Tennessee can become one of the best teams in the country once again. And I think Coach Hypo has what it takes to do that.
1: Ben Bobick, WRCB in Chattanooga. There's a lot of talk about the offense and, and how high-powered it's going to be and all that stuff. Does that sort of put a chip on the defense's shoulder in a sense? Like, there's a lot of talk on the offense, but you know we could ball too. Does that sort of kind of put a chip on your guys' shoulder?
10: Yeah, I feel like if you're a competitor, you always going to have a chip on your shoulder when they're talking about somebody else, right? Um, our defense, we argue with our offense all the time. Like in the locker room, it's always arguments going on, but it's just because we're competitive and we want what we want what's best for each other. And uh, so when we go out there, uh, last week we had seven on seven. I'm saying before we even snapped the ball, we were already talking trash. But um, this defense, I feel like, deserves a lot of respect. And um, we kind of are flying under the radar, which is fine with us. You know, we'll just keep working every day and keep putting in all that work. So come September 2nd, we play Bowling Green. We can kind of show everybody what we're really made of. And we can just progress from week one all the way to week 12.
9: All right, Shane. So how how much does that fire you up as a Tennessee <laughs> fan to, to hear these comments from Alante Taylor?
10: Oh, man,
5: I love it. I And you, you get a little bit of this when you – I'm a Tennessee fan, obviously. Big Orange Vols on Twitter, you know. But when I'm up here, it seems like just about every sport we've got one or two players – that just love the program. I think of Jawan Jennings. I think of uh, Fulkerson at the on the basketball team. You know, these guys are just some hometown boys that love the University of Tennessee, and it just bleeds through. It, it's it's I don't know. It's almost in fact fe- like you just want to be a part of it. And I love when these young men come out. I mean, he had an opportunity to go to the NFL. He had an opportunity to hit the portal like everybody else and get the hell out of here and help his NFL draft stock. But he stuck around. That's what, I mean, that's what we do. You know, I mean, there's times that we'd love to switch fan bases and <laughs> root for Alabama or root for LSU. Yeah, it'd be nice to be a winner for a little bit, but we don't. We stick around, and that's that's exactly what Elante's doing, and, and uh, I, I just thought that was awesome. Great comments by him.
9: All right, final team, Shane. Kentucky Wildcats. They were also down here at SEC Media Days on Tuesday, and man alive, did they get? They're probably exhausted being asked about the new offense and the new quarterback. <laughs> but that is uh, the major storyline there in Lexington because Kentucky. We all know they got a elite offensive line. They got great running backs. They should have a defense that is going to keep them competitive in every SEC game under Mark Stoops, but it's all about the offense, the quarterback, the new play caller, how that's all going to work together. But once again, I mean it's it's almost like a different year, but it's the same story where the Wildcats coming down to Hoover, they know everyone, you know, if you if you pick Kentucky fourth in the East, that's a that's a good year for Kentucky. They've got that chip on their shoulder where they they think you know, they're not talking, let's have a nice year here. We got one of their players here. We'll, we'll get to his comments in a moment. But he says the goal is to get to damn Atlanta. And yeah. I think that's, you know, if you're a Kentucky Wildcat, that's got to be your goal because that's the next benchmark of the Mark Stoops era.
5: I think you hit the nail on the head. And this is something we said last couple of years. But I don't know, man. It, it feels a little different this year. I mean, because they got the pieces. Like you said, they we know they got a great offensive line. We know they got great running backs. We know they got a better defense. We now think we're going to have more of a quarterback style play, you know, maybe a little bit more points on that side of the ball. And it's just, I don't know. That that was what's been missing, it felt like, and now they have it. So, um, Kentucky's, Kentucky's a scary program, man. I, I mentioned earlier Old Miss. That's a team you don't want to play. I, w- I would – venture to say that Kentucky is that team in the east it's it's one that you just can't really count out I mean even if they're going against the big guys you know and when they go toe-to-toe with the big it's like well yeah I think maybe they're going to lose that game but I'm telling you if Kentucky puts it together they could upset Georgia Bulldogs or they could upset you know a a larger team Um, so I just I don't know, man. I, I think Kentucky right now is, is one of those programs you just can't sleep on. Uh, you know, teams like Florida and Georgia, they, they're looking at playing each other, but they're also one of the teams that if you get over, if you get cocky and you overlook the Wildcats, you'll end up losing that game. Yeah, and just look at their schedule.
9: I mean, they open the season against Louisiana Monroe. They'll kill them. You get Missouri week two. That's a very tough game, but it's at home. Then you get Chattanooga, and then at South Carolina, and they have absolutely owned South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then look at the tail end of the schedule. They get Tennessee, which is not going to be easy, but it's at home, at Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, at Louisville. I mean, it's it's hard to think that, worst case, they're probably going to be 7-1 and one with those games. Yeah. Now, the meat of the schedule, that's Florida LSU at Georgia at Mississippi State all those games are going to be, you know, very, very tough. But a lot of opportunities here for Kentucky to have momentum on on both sides of that tough slate. So, uh, you know, this is a sleeping team, no doubt. And, you know, people should not be sleeping on a potential double-digit 10-win
5: season like we had a couple <laughs> years ago. You know what? Well, you know, I think about, like, Georgia a couple years ago. They're just one of those teams that – If Kentucky gets up two or three scores, they can sit on the ball. I -hmm. mean, they've got they got the hogs up front. They got the running backs to just keep rotating out and and just kill you three, four yards at a time, and and sit on it and have a better defense. Uh, I would venture to say the best defense they've had in a long time. And, you know, that's that's one of those things you gotta you got to keep in mind. You have a couple of bad breaks early in the game and Kentucky's able to just sit on. They have the ability to be a two-dimensional team now. They have all the pieces. You know, I, I, I want to see I, – I, I'm a little leery of the wide receiver situation, but, mm-hmm. you know, the quarterback situation. But I think all that's going to be alleviated, you know, week one when we see what they really can do.
9: Yeah, so let's kick it over to Stoops, who talks about the uh, the potential of the, this team's offense, uh, the receivers that you hit on there, Josh Ali and Wandale Robinson, and then on where Kentucky needs to improve the most this season.
13: What is the potential of this offense and its biggest strength?
3: Um, I think we have great potential. I really do. I think you know you have a foundation of being physical of running the football. That always helps. It opens up the play action game. We all understand that's an area where we needed to improve, and I feel like we've really made some big strides. Um, So I think uh, creating big plays and plays down the field is something we had to do. You know, when you run the ball that well, you have to be able to get the ball down the field off play action. So um, I feel like the quarterbacks are much more comfortable. Um, It's much more attacking offense, and, uh, you know, we were much more effective in the spring, still have a long way to go.
11: You have receivers Wandale Robinson and Josh Ali working out for the season because just like you, they're excited for the offense, everything they can bring to the table as well. What are your thoughts just on them working so hard just to get ready in this offense? And what do they bring to the table to that Kentucky offense?
3: Yeah, i um, very pleased with both of those guys, starting with Josh, with Josh deciding to come back for the extra year Um, That was very big for us because we are not uh, as deep as we'd like to be at the wide receiver position. And Josh is extremely talented and maybe didn't get as many touches because of the, the offensive system that we had. And so having him come back um, was a big boost for us. He had a great spring. He's a guy that has really good top end speed. He's working extremely hard. He's a great leader and so uh, very pleased uh, to have Josh and uh, really excited about his opportunities uh, this fall. Uh, With Wandell, you know, he's new to our program. He's a guy we're very familiar with. I recruited him extremely hard out of high school. Um, But uh, came back home, uh, transferred back from from Nebraska and so grateful to have him on our on our team. Um, You felt his presence each and every day during spring. He was electric. He's a guy that just has another gear. And, um, you know, so really looking forward to getting him some touches and getting again, getting the ball down the field.
8: Coach, when you look at you know going from 2020 to, to 2021, what's the one I guess part or area of this team that you feel confident has improved or will improve uh, the most this season?
3: Well, I think you know it's obvious it it it, it had better improve is the pass game, and uh, you know I've talked a lot about it, but it's true uh, we've we've put a lot of emphasis on it. You know we need to. We have a, a new scheme, and uh, you know we've been a physical team, played good defense, been able to run the football. Um, but uh, we need to improve uh, getting the ball down the field and, and, and uh, the passing attack in general. Now here's one thing that uh, I –
9: because I'm right there with you, Shane. I'm, I very, que- very much question Kentucky's receivers, but yeah. I wonder, you know, this is certainly a case, and you could swing it this way, where, you know, they were so bad at the quarterback position and, you know, they just had no ability to get these guys the ball. And mm-hmm. now if they're able to do that – you know, maybe they could be outstanding for all we know, but a receiver is only as good as uh, the the guy that's trying to get him the ball here. So uh, it's, you know, there's potential that Kentucky's got some damn gems here on the outside that
5: uh, we, that no one has any idea about, you know what? Yeah. And how do you defend it? It it used to be, let's just load up the box. That's how you stop Kentucky, Mm -hmm. make them, make them try to throw. But if, if they truly are a two dimensional team next year, you can't do that. And that opens up routes for those receivers. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's, it's just going to be a totally different offense. You just don't know what to predict or, or what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, let's kick it over to their players,
9: Darren Kennard, their outstanding offensive tackle, and Josh Paschal. They both, I mean, they both had a little bit of an edge to them, Kennard a little bit more than most. He could have. He could be playing. He's another one that could be playing in the NFL right now. But he wanted to come back and prove he's one of the best players in the country. I think Wildcat fans will love his comments here about Kentucky always being disrespected. And then Josh Paschal on uh, being a game record this year. And then he's the one that uh, you know he admits the players are thinking about it. They're eyeing a trip to Atlanta.
13: What advice did you get that led you to say no to the pros and come back?
14: You know, I felt with this team that we were going to have a great opportunity this year to do something special. And on top of that, for a personal reason, you know, to show that I'm not just a right tackle, I'm one of the best left tackles. So, I came back to prove that.
13: It seems like you're entering the season with a little bit more swag, the fashion's on point. Where is that confidence coming from?
14: Um, just proving, proving everybody I'm the best. I'm one of the best. Uh, you know, I'm coming out here to prove the point, prove that I'm one of the best offensive linemen in the country. And especially coming from Kentucky, nobody puts respect in Kentucky's name. So doing that and being one of the best from Kentucky, I think I have something to prove. Do you guys feel, what are the
8: expectations like on the team heading into this year? I mean, do you guys feel like you, you've built something that, you know, you expect to be more competitive than Kentucky's been in the past?
14: I feel like we're always competitive. Um, especially being an O-lineman, the whole, you know, grit. You know, that's how we were taught, come in, play hard, and never quit. Uh, I feel like this is the mentality we were taught, and I feel like it's going to continue on. Um, I don't feel like much has changed because, you know, at the end of the day, it's still football, and we're still going to play hard and the best of our ability.
13: Coach Stoops said you're taking things next level. You're going from a good play- player to a game wrecker. What do you think he means by that?
15: <clears throat> um, I just think that he means that I'm just growing in my confidence in the game. Uh, this spring, I had the opportunity to disrupt some plays, of course, and uh, just I'm getting more confident, uh, getting knowledge of the game, getting my IQ. And I, of course, that leads to uh, you know being a game record, and that's a goal of mine, and I'm hoping to carry that into the season.
13: Bully McCall has been a standout this spring. What have you seen out of him?
15: Um, I see, well, I love Bully, first of all, but Bully, uh, he's a very disruptive player. Uh, big guy but I don't think people understand how athletic he really is and I really can't wait to see him go off this year like I know he will um, and really um, put himself and step himself as a, a great defensive tackle and um, I, I'm so proud of the uh, work ethic wise how he's been working this all season um, how he's really just uh, growing up as a man and I'm, I'm proud of Bully.
8: What are the team's expectations heading into this year? You know, Kentucky seemed to – you guys have, you know, built more of a winning program and, and tradition these past few years. Or, you know, is it
15: kind of a, the bounce-back season from last year? Uh, yep. Yeah. so uh, a common goal across our team is Atlanta, and that's where we want to get to. Um, of course, we have to take every game, uh, each and every game like it is, and that's what we're doing, uh, starting with Louisiana Monroe and then going into the SEC and playing Missouri – and so just taking those games one by one and being uh, being able to win each and every one.
9: All right, Shane. So, I, you know, other SEC East teams are going to be laughing off these comments, but good luck with that, buddy, because uh, Kentucky, if they get it figured out on that offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I think that's going to be the worst nightmare for a lot of teams in the East because beating a one-dimensional Kentucky team is not a given. Beating a Kentucky team that can play balanced, on on the offensive side of the ball is going to be a very, very tough out this year.
5: And and dude, they got NFL talent. A lot of people think this is a Kentucky, this ain't your Papa's Kentucky Wildcats, man. You know what I'm saying? They're they're putting people in the league every single year. They still they got they got a lot of talent, man. Mm-hmm. They're stealing a lot of talent from these other SEC programs, Tennessee Balls included. So yeah, you're crazy if you're sleeping on them. Now uh, where did you have them? in your in your rankings. Do you have them third in the East? Yeah, I got them
9: third okay. in the East, but I could easily see them finishing as high as number 2. And I mean, who knows? I mean, if uh all the expectations that's crushed Georgia before, so it, there's no guarantees, you
5: know. Yeah, you know, and and they asked him a question. Let me ask you. What do you think? Um I mean, I think quarterback is an easy out. Is, what do you need to see from Kentucky to get them I mean, yeah, it's got to be that quarterback
9: position, but also at the same time, uh, Kentucky has got a lot of strengths up the middle of their defense. Uh They need the outside, particularly I'm thinking corners and pass rush. Uh They have talent at those positions, but a lot of it is inexperienced. And, you know, I think we give the benefit of the doubt to Mark Stoops and his coaches because, you know, we hear the defensive coordinator, Brad White, is one of the best in not only the sec, but all college football. So you kind of give it to those guys that they're going to have their side of the ball ready to play, but they do have a lot of, I don't want to say totally inexperienced, but not a ton of starters returning on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, they could be a little slow out the gate, which makes that week two game against Missouri even more uh, of a question mark. But the fact you're playing ULM and Chattanooga the first three weeks of the season, that should give you plenty of time to to get the defense settled before you really get into the meat of the SEC schedule. All right, Shane, well hey man, that's going to wrap up coverage from day two of SEC Media Days. We're just rolling on here down in Hoover and next, uh, on the next episode Shane, on Thursday's show we got Alabama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. So Mike Leach, Nick Saban, Jimbo. Come on. And come Clark on with Lee. it. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, it's, it doesn't get much better than that. And uh, no. who knows? You know, Nick Saban is always, you know, a quote machine down here. And and man, I, I may fall over when Mike Leach starts talking. I don't know what's going to come out of that guy's mouth. You know what?
5: I mean, obviously, I'm pumped up about the pirate. You know that. But the biggest thing is Saban now that we know Bryce is making over a million (laughs) dollars could you imagine i mean all these reporters they just they had these questions that they were going to ask they just ripped it right out of the book when when kiffin was dumbfounded with how much the quarterback is making so that's what i'm looking forward to is just how angry saban gets tomorrow
9: and don't forget shane do you remember what old jimbo said about uh nick saban oh yeah fast talking, Jimbo. Absolutely.
5: He said, we're going to whip his ass.
9: So uh, <laughs> that's going to be asked about 50 billion times as well. So
5: absolutely. They're not playing basketball anymore, <laughs> brother. <laughs>
9: <No>. <laughs> so make sure to tune into the next episode. We'll be recapping all that. And uh, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. That's been blowing up. Yeah. Every single video from SEC media days is on the YouTube channel which is of course that sec podcast on the youtube but uh, you know that's gonna do it for this episode i appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out during sec media days and we'll catch you on the next one
5: all right see you guys go balls